Heavenly Father, prepare us for your word. We pray, Lord, that we would be able to understand your wisdom that you give to us. And that we would know this wisdom and it would penetrate into the deepest recesses of our hearts. Lord, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Westtown Mall, Madison, Wisconsin. You know, that's where a middle schooler hung out, you know, and that's where I hung out, Westtown Mall. And then when I was in middle school, a new store opened in Westtown Mall. It was the, I think it was called the Inspiration Store, uh, was was called. And what it had is it had these pictures in them with landscapes or animals or people doing extraordinary things. And then underneath the pictures, it had these major headings and then this kind of proverbial quote, an encouragement quote. Maybe you've seen these pictures yourself. Uh, I remember one of them it had an eagle on it. And then the statement was, make it happen. And it said, some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. Make it happen. And then there's another one that had a kayaker on it. And it said, excellence. Some excel because they are destined to. Most excel because they are determined to. And I, I was, as a middle schooler, I was getting motivated. And then it kept going, there's another one. It was perseverance and it showed the Grand Canyon. And it said, in the confrontation between the rivers and the rock, the river always wins, not through strength, but by perseverance. Motivating stuff, right? Maybe you have some of these and you bought some of these, had them in your house or your office at some point in time. Well, another guy, you know, I'll call him maybe a cynic. Maybe you're a cynic on these kind of statements. He, he opened a kiosk in the mall not long after this, uh, this inspiration store opened. And uh, his signs were a little bit different. And uh, on one of them was a guy that had a face palm and looked like he just lost a race. And it said, failure. And it said, when your best isn't good enough. It's like, mm, great. Another one had a rainbow and it said dreams. And it said dreams are like rainbows. Only idiots chase them. <laughs> and my favorite one was this car going towards a tornado. And it said perseverance. The courage to ignore the obvious wisdom of turning back. <laughs> well, the thing is, Reading this passage that we're going to read in Ecclesiastes, it can feel like reading these demotivational quotes. I call this passage in Ecclesiastes kind of the, the Proverbs of Ecclesiastes. And they question the ability of proverbial wisdom of these motivational kind of statements to answer some of the difficult questions of life. My hope this morning is this, as we look closely, even into the sad, hard, and confusing places of life, wisdom can be found, and the crooked can be made straight. My hope this morning is that when we look at the sad, 
hard, in confusing places, we can find wisdom and we can see that the crooked can be made straight. So let's do that work, shall we? Let's look at what the scripture says. Let's pay attention as I read God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I'm trying to look at the one in the worship guide if it's the same. I don't know if it is. It's not. So if you have a Bible, you can look there. Ecclesiastes 7 verses 1 through 22. Here we go. A good name is better than precious ointment. In the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. In the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous. Do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked. Neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been far been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? Herein is wisdom. Well, uh, we have been going through the book of Ecclesiastes. 
It is a book about the quest for meaning. And here this man, Koheleth, has taken us along his journey for meaning. And he's taken us lots of different places. He's taken us to pleasure. He's taken us to work. He's taken us to wealth. He's taken us to wisdom. He's done all of this experimenting, all of these things, and he's tried them all out to their greatest scope, their greatest degree. And what has he found out? Hevel. Hevel. That's the word that we get from Hebrew and then to English, vanity, vanity, or meaningless, meaningless. Again, the word is vapor. That's a great image for it, isn't it? Kohelet does all this searching, all this looking, all this finding for meaning. And he says, this search for meaning is like smoke. It just goes through my fingers. I try to find meaning in it and it's not there. Now he takes us on a different journey. He takes a break from his his storytelling and his adventures. And instead he gives us these proverbs, these witty statements. It's fitting that this Hebrew would give us the Proverbs because you know that one of the wisdom books in the Bible is the book of Proverbs. This is what the Hebrews sought when they were trying to find, how do I live the right life? When things, I don't know where to go or how to act. The law doesn't give me a clear direction. I can go to the Proverbs to find wisdom and what to do. And the basic kind of premise or theme of the Proverbs is this. If you follow these things, if you do these things, you will be blessed. It is wisdom. And if you follow these other things, these foolish things, it will bring punishment or not blessing, but curses upon you. But here Koheleth puts his own spin on the Proverbs. He does this because as we've seen, this book is quite depressing. He says, I've tried these Proverbs. I've done these things. Here they are. And guess what? Just because you follow them, just because you're righteous, doesn't mean it's going to go well for you. He says that, right? In verse 15. And he says, I've seen people that have done foolish things, the wicked, and things have gone well for them. So he is confused. And what he has done is he is going to give us something different. His spin on the Proverbs, using the same parallelism that the Proverbs uses, contrast the better than that you see in Proverbs to compare and show the way and how to apply wisdom, but he's going to take, put his take on it. You know, you might say, I feel like I'm pretty far away from proverbial wisdom living in the 21st century. We don't read the Proverbs or know them off the tip of our tongue or what to say, a proverb. I don't think we're very far from using proverbial wisdom. Maybe you call it bumper sticker wisdom, right? People that put something, maybe you, put something on the back of your car. This is a statement that sums up life. That helps me through the day. One bumper sticker I saw said, get involved. 
the world is run by those who show up. Or maybe you don't put a bumper sticker on, but maybe you sing song lyrics. Ones that give you meaning through the chaos of life. One lyric says, live for you and you live in vain. Live for others, you will live again. Bob Marley. Maybe you're the kind of person that posts behind a beautiful background on Facebook some statements that you love, right? That help you through life. I see these often on Facebook. One I saw is life is not about being rich, being popular, being highly educated, or being perfect. It is about being real, being humble, and being kind. Oh, don't, don't those make you just feel good? It's like, oh man, I can cling to this. This is my hope. These little statements, these are good. The problem is when they don't work. And that's what Koheleth is getting at. I know the Proverbs. I know these things. I know what it says, right? If I follow these things, it'll be good for me. If I don't follow them, it'll be bad for me. But I've seen that people that have followed it, it's gone badly. People that have not followed it, it's gone well. The question is, do your little sayings hold up? Do they hold up through the injustice of the world? The ugliness that we've maybe experienced, the brokenness. The truth is, those demotivational sayings that were on that, in that kiosk, the reason they're so funny is because they're somewhat true. Failure, when your best doesn't cut it. We laugh, but we know sometimes that's true. So maybe these Proverbs, these Ecclesiastes Proverbs, they'll make us think a little bit deeper. They'll make us go, "Mm, maybe I should think differently. A bumper sticker that I love, that I've seen, kind of matches this Ecclesiastes Proverbs. It says this, What if the hokey pokey is what it's all about? And that's kind of what you see when you read this. So let's start this journey, shall we? Verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointments. Oh man, it starts so good. It's like reading the Proverbs. It's saying, you know, your name is like an aroma. Your name is something that is valuable. It's saying your integrity, your character is better than any wealth or any power. You know, that's a good proverb. That's so rich that it's, it's just better, a name, integrity, than, oint, than precious ointment. But then, Koheleth, he says, and the day of death, than the day of birth. This is incredibly confusing. It's very ironic, because he's paralleling them back and forth. 
And the thing is, what good is a good reputation? What good is a good name if you're dead? And the day of death is better than their day of birth? Why would he say this? And then he spends four more verses talking about death. Really to get our attention. Now I don't think Kohalath is saying it's better to be dead. I think he's saying the day of death is a is a better teacher than the day of birth. I was with my new nephew this last week. And, uh, you know, what do you say to a, a new baby, right? Or to the parents about a new baby? He looks, you, he looks like you, not really, kind of, maybe. You know, that's what you say. Oh, oh, he's drooling. That's awesome. There's not much you can say other than he's beautiful. You know, that's, you know, but thing is, when you are 50, like 50 years, or 60, or 70, 80 years, there's more that you can say about someone's life than a baby. And that's what he's saying. You can say a lot more about someone, about how they've lived, and what they've lived for at their death, than you can say at their birth. Verse 2, also to shock us, it is better to go to the house of mourning than go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Wow, okay. I'll tell you the truth, I don't know many people who would rather go to a funeral than a birthday party. I don't know many people that would sign up for that. The truth is, Kohath might be right. You might gain more wisdom from going to one funeral than going the whole year, a whole year's worth of birthday parties. You might gain more wisdom from going to one funeral than a whole year of birthday parties. You know, some when we go to funerals, we think, how grim. To sit here in this funeral home, to see a coffin. I just want to get outside. I just want to see the sunshine. I just want to get out of this place. But the truth is, a wise person would look at that coffin and they would realize, one day it will be my turn. One day I will be up there. A wise person at a funeral wouldn't say, get me out of here. They would say, maybe I should take an inventory on my life. So I think no number of Jimmy Buffett songs, of beach living, of Margaritaville, no trite statement from Bob Marley or any song will be able to solve this problem of death. And Koheleth is trying to shock us to see what really matters. And verse 3 is probably as shocking back then, this statement as it is now. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. You know, it's easy to hide behind happiness and laughter. To avoid death and sorrow. 
And the idea that it's better to be sad and to be in sorrow than laughter, it, it sounds crazy to our world. But the truth is, we're running sometimes when we're laughing from what will really happen. I love what Jesus says in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. See, the people that are sad, the people that mourn, they're able to realize that there will come a better day. There is something out there. I'm just not going to cover my, la- my life with a laugh track. I'm going to mourn of what could be and what is. I don't always like to quote John MacArthur. He is one of those shocking kind of people, maybe an Ecclesiastes kind of Proverbs kind of guy. He's a pastor in California. But he said something to speak against our culture that will wake you up. And this was his statement. The only way you are living your best life now is if you're going to hell. I'll say it again. The only way you are living your best life now is if you are going to hell. You see, you can have all the laughter and all the joy and that is communicating, I'm just living for now. But if you say, I can be sorrowful, I can be sad because I know my best life is not now. It will come. See, sorrow and grief allow us to look at the reality of this world and to look for the hope of Christ. I hope there's some pushback on that. Maybe you have some pushback. I know sometimes what goes in your mind, pushback against the preacher, that's good. I like to anticipate what people are thinking. Anticipate sometimes I put my roommate in the chair like I'm talking to him, my roommate for four years in college, what he would say back to me. Maybe what you'd say back to this. You Christians. Escapism. That's what you're after. Pie in the sky. Heaven. Heaven. You just, you just want to run. You run from the reality of this world. You just want heaven. Heaven. What's better? I would push back. I'd say, actually, Christians are not the ones escaping this world. See, if Christians mourn properly, if they live the way that Koheleth says that we should live, they are not escaping the world. Instead, they are looking at the world for what it really is. Broken. We don't cover it over. We don't take the sick and put them over there. Take the dying and don't even look at them. Just avoid these people. No, the Christians look death straight in the face. They look at the pain right in the face and they say, there is hope past this. This is the reality of our broken world. And we can look at it. We can face it and we can talk about it and we can cry and mourn about it. (laughs) 
You wonder why the Christian church grew. I've used this illustration before. I mean, why did they call some of the early people pagans? Because the pagans, what they did, they ran to the countryside when the plagues came. Do you know who stayed in the cities and cared for the sick and the dying? It was the Christian church. They looked death straight in the face. They looked at the sick straight in the face and they said, this is not the way it's supposed to do, be. We will not run from it. We will face it. I hope that's us today. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Again, these proverbs that are hard-hitting. I love Walker Percy. He's a southern writer, the 20th century. Kind of that Kierkegaard, existential, Koheleth kind of thinking. I'm going to read a long quote from him. Please pay attention as I read this quote from Walker Percy. The unbelieving person is crazy because he finds himself born into a world of endless wonders, having no notion how he got here. A world in which he eats and sleeps, works, grows old, gets sick and dies, takes his comfort and ease, plays along with a game, watches TV, drinks his drink, and laughs. For all the world, he does this. If it's, if it, if, as if his prostrate, his prostrate was not growing cancerous. As if his arteries were not turning to chalk. As if his brain cells were not dying by the millions. As if these things were not going to have him in no time at all. And then he hangs on the edge of a precipice, engulfed by terror. See, it's not that time or place to learn about emergency rock climbing procedures. You have to learn about them before you start the expedition. Likewise, we have to start learning about death now while we are still healthy, before we are all blinded by denial and fighting valiantly. For hope. That is what Koheleth is doing. He's shocking us. He's waking us up. I got this card from Carol Marker this week. It's a card of Bruce Marker. If you don't know Bruce Marker, he's an elder at our church that passed away just a couple weeks ago. And it's a great picture. It's just a great picture. It's a picture of him with a staff and looking upon the rocks. You know, kind of a picture of this is life, the torrents of life. I tell you someone that lived this wisdom of Koheleth, facing death. Some of you were in his living room before he was going to get the cancer treatments and praying for him and Carol. You heard from Bruce saying, I don't know what God has for me, but he has numbered my days and I will face it with him. You see, Bruce went forward in hope to face. It was a painful time. It was a hard time. He went with it knowing who came along with him. So he wasn't too late 
clinging and hoping as these torrents of rocks came before him because he had his staff. He had his Lord. You see, even in sadness, these sad Proverbs, Koheleth gives us wisdom. Wisdom in the sad place. Then there's wisdom in the hard places. Verses 7 through 10. See, Koheleth knows people can talk a big game about living proverbial principles. But when they start living these proverbial principles in a broken world, it's easy to run from that wisdom. And he gives us these proverbs to show ways that we can escape true wisdom, an escapist mentality. And the four ways he shows that we can escape true wisdom is by ease, by impatience, by anger, and nostalgia. Verse 7. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness and a bribe corrupts the heart. Here he shows this, that even a a good king, even a good leader can be bribed and it can corrupt all that goodness. Even someone that is wise and lives the Proverbs, once they are pressed and is squeezed by oppression, then where is the wisdom? Do they run to ease and do those things just get cast aside? It's a good question, isn't it? Would I still do the right thing if it was hard? I love the movie Trading Places, maybe dating myself, early 80s movie. Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Eddie Murphy's down and out. Dan Aykroyd is this big lawyer and they... These two guys set an experiment. You know, if you put Dan Aykroyd in a bad position, he'll act just like Eddie Murphy would. If you put Eddie Murphy in a good position, he'll act just the way Dan Aykroyd would. And they play that experiment. It's the same experiment that Kohala is playing. Thing is, it's the same experiment we're in at times. (laughs) It's a great game, right? You stand up in front of everyone for your wedding day and you say, I will love this person and vow to be with them all times. Are you saying those same things when it gets hard? Are you faithful in, when it's difficult? When the money is tight, are you still generous? When your kids are yelling in the back of the car, Are you still hugging them like you might at church or holding them in your arms, singing songs? Verse 8, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. This proverb was written for our softball team this year. (laughs) Who did not start well, but his ending well, right? Better the end of things, right? But it's true. At the beginning, there is hope. It's going to go well. We thought maybe we'd have an undefeated season. But how do we treat one another when it gets hard? 
Again, this can apply to marriage, the beginning of things. It's not as good as the end of things. A church plant where there's so much hope that it will go well. What happens as you go through the journey? See, the escapism is abandoning the ability to be molded in the hard times. Seeing the end of things shows where you're at. That's where the wisdom is. Verse 9, be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. I think we sing a song today that talks about, you know, always loving God, or, you know, we sing like we've never sung before, right? I always cringe a little bit when I sing those lyrics, because sometimes I think, oh man, I say these things, but do I really live them? See, one of the easiest ways to see if we trust God is to see how angry we get when we go, things do not go our way. <laughs> one of the ways we can see if we trust God is how angry we get when things do not go the way they want them to. Is that true for you? When you can't find your keys, how angry do you get? When the order didn't turn out the way you wanted to, what do you say to the waitress? When your kids don't behave the way you'd like them to, what is your response? Wisdom. Wisdom is found even in the hard place. And lastly, Verse 10, say not why we were the former days better, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. This is the escapism of nostalgia. If only life was like when I was a kid. If only every day was like Christmas. If only I could vacation like I used to. If only America was like it was in the 1950s. C.S. Lewis says it very well, talking about nostalgia. You were longing for the past, but the past was never as good as your mind was telling you. But the thing is, the longing is good. There is where the wisdom is. There's something in your heart that says, there's a way it should be. There's a way I'd like it to be. There's a picture of what Christmas was. There was this feeling there. Or the way I remember my vacations or, or playing, there was something there. And Koala says, there is wisdom in that. It's a picture of what heaven might be. See, wisdom can be found in the sad place. And it can be found in the hard place. But can wisdom be found in the confusing place? I think Koheleth, he gives up his proverbs and then he just speaks from his, his feelings, from his mind. He just tells the way it is. Again, he says, 
You know, I look and I see the righteous, they suffer. I see the wicked, they prosper. This doesn't make sense and I'm confused. And he's struggling and he's vexed. And he throws out solutions. It might be better that you're not so righteous. You're not so foolish. Maybe the answer is just moderation, right? There's There's the answer to this problem of life. Just everything in moderation. I think it's something that many of us turn to, that kind of thinking. Just moderation will make it all good. That's the way to live life. I'm here to tell you that moderation, everything in moderation is not a Christian worldview. Lying in moderation is not good. Disobedience of parents in moderation is not a good thing. Adultery in moderation is not good. Pornography in moderation, murder in moderation. No. Those things in moderation are bad. And I think he's struggling in verse 18. He says, it is good that you should take hold of this. And from that, withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God shall come out from both of them. I think what he's identifying is equal and opposite errors. The equal and opposite errors are this. One is living in pleasure or living in doing what you want to do. That foolish living. That is an error. And the other error is what he would call self-righteousness. Saying living that you avoid God and live just a pious life doing good things apart from the Lord. He says these are equal and opposite errors because both of them, both self-righteousness and this freedom, both of them avoid the Lord and said puts you in place. He says, in the confusing place, my answer is fear God. Stand in awe of him. That is the way to deal with it. And again, that's repeated at the end of the book. But I left out one crucial verse. It stands in the middle of this passage. Right in the middle. I think it's the key to this whole confusing passage. It's verse 13. And it says, Consider the work of God. Ecclesiastes at the beginning has this same statement, consider the work of God. And at the end has the same, consider the work of God. These are key statements. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get you to pay attention Right now, consider the work of God. And then here is his statement. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? This is a great question. A great question for sad places. Where there is death and sorrow. And no pithy words 
can answer someone that has gone through that pain? It's a great question for the hard places when you are facing money crunch or kids that are not acting the way you want to. It's a great question for the confusing place where you're like, I, I just doesn't, this world just doesn't make sense. Why do these people prosper and I don't? I thought I was doing everything right. And you're saying it's just, it's just crooked. Who can make this straight? And then you're confused about Kohelis answers. He, he says, you find meaning in death? The answer is steadfastness over escapism? The answer is the fear of God over moderation? That wisdom seems foolish in the midst of all crookedness. You know, there were others that thought it was very foolish. And there's one that lived by this wisdom. I know, I always go to Jesus, right? But let me go to Mary instead. Do you know what Mary did? She took this basically funeral ointment, embalmment ointment, and she poured it over a living person, Jesus. She did it in front of all those people that mocked her. Why would she do such a thing as this? And she didn't do it in moderation. She gave it a haul. All of this, all of this money, all of these things, all of this, it was probably worth so much money. And she just poured it upon Jesus. And what did others think of this? Foolish. This is foolish. You could have used this to help the poor. Why would you do this? Why would you pour this funeral spice on a man who is alive with something that is so expensive? Why would you do such a thing as this? I hope people might ask you the same kind of question. Why do you give your life to this man? Why do you give your time and your Sunday morning and you are in relations with the people that are difficult? Why do you do this? I think the answer is found in verse 13. Who can make the straight what he has made crooked? You see, in a sad place, in a hard place, in a confusing place, in a crooked place, there is one who took something as sad and as hard and as confusing and as crooked as the cross, and he made it straight. And if he can do it there, he can do it in my life. In your life. Doesn't 1 Corinthians, that passage we read earlier, make so much more sense? But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Let the one who boasts 
boast in the Lord. I love it. Jesus talked to all those people that criticized Mary for doing this. And he says this to this situation that he doesn't say anywhere else in the Gospels. He says, and truly I say to you, wherever, whenever the gospel is proclaimed in the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Is that true of you? Will people say, she gave his life in the foolish things? For Christ. He gave his life even in the foolish things for Christ. So that the world might see. And our response would be, of course I did. Because he made what was crooked, me, straight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Ecclesiastes Proverbs, <laughs> they are hard-hitting, but hopefully they wake us up to see that there is wisdom in even sad and hard and confusing places like the cross. Pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.